What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Ohioverse, presented by Deep Dive Sports. You are listening to our 10th episode this week. Every single one of our shows, except for Two Minute Drill, are kind of hitting our 10-episode mark since we started with them. So again, continue to give us feedback and let us know how we're doing. And if you'd like us to continue, if you'd like us to stop at 10, then I guess we'll stop at 10. If you'd like us to keep going, then let us know. But again, it won't hurt our feelings. So for today's episode, I am joined by Greg, like most of the time. What's going on, guys? And we're going to, as always, talk about Ohio State because we have to because this is Ohioverse. And we're going to get into some NFL talk, see if Greg is ready to finally admit something. And then we'll uh, talk about the start to the season for the Blue Jackets and Cavs, which surprisingly better than I think people thought. And then we'll kind of talk about the how disappointing it has been up to this point. But to start off, we're going to start off with Blue Jackets today. And I wanted to get Greg's opinion. How he felt the first has gone. I mean, I know we've discussed this before that this kind of might be a rebuild year, but uh, you know they made some changes to the lines that I thought were really interesting over these last couple games. Um, you know, one thing that really struck me is that they have got ten different Blue Jackets that have scored in the first five games. So that means that everybody's getting good shots, good looks on the net, and to see what's going on. Um, like I said, they've made changes to the line. Hoffman's moved up to, with uh, Jack Rostlick and Orkstrand. Uh, rookies Cole Sillinger and Chernikov are slated to skate next to Nyquist. So mixing it up a little bit, not the normal you know, lines that we've seen before in last year or lines that we might have anticipated this year. So I think that that's a really good start to something that uh, could be could be real good. Yeah, I think the one thing that I have to describe this team now is one word to be the Torts era was very much old school of first and we'll score if we can. And this year, I think they said, hey, we're playing with house money, so let's just go score as many goals as we can. And it's working. I don't know if they'll be able to sustain it, you know what I mean? Because obviously there's going to be a play better deep going forward. But, you know, if they if they can continue to score at this high clip, you know, especially mentioning, you know, 10 different people have scored so far and they can kind of learn to play a little bit better defense because they do have a lot of young guys on that team. I think that this could be weird, like questioned whether it was a retool or a rebuild. I think that they were like somewhere in the middle and maybe we're kind of seeing like a Miami heat situation where they just come out sooner than what we thought they were. Maybe they're like a fringe playoff team, maybe make a little bit of a run and then they're here to play. So it'll definitely be interesting. I, I love the, I love the offensive first mentality. I think that that'll work. Definitely. Definitely. And we'll kind of answer the same question for the Cavs there. So, you know, they played five games up to this point. What's your opinion of them? So my opinion is that they're losing games that they should win and winning games they shouldn't win. Um, obviously, they're what, uh, three and two. They lost to the Grizzlies and lost to the Hornets, but they beat Atlanta 105 to 95. They beat Denver 99 to 87. And then playing the the Clippers last night, they beat them 92 to 79. And I just thought that that would be an exact opposite. They'd be, you know, just less. And it just seems like everybody's, you know, Allen's putting in 25, Sexton 33. Mm -hmm. Even our our person we hate, love, you know, putting up double-digit numbers. So, uh, you know, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, it's definitely – I think that we kind of looked at that team and said, wow, they have a lot of power forwards. But they have a lot of, you know, stretch the floor, athletic, powerful, and especially bigs. 
you know, I don't know if Jared Allen's much of a, a stretch of the floor guy, but but he's, you know, proven that he's dominant and I think that he always will. And he's kind of playing to that that contract. I think that he needs to kind of, you know, continue to take that next step to lead the team. But they just have a bunch of dogs. I mean, you have Sexton, you have Garland, and those those guys are going to get buckets. They they play hard. They play fast. It's almost kind of like that, that Westbrook mentality. I think a lot of people, you know, took what Westbrook does and kind of took what Curry does. You know, we're getting the the babies of that in the NFL right now with like John Morant and Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, so on and so on. Like these guys play as hard and as fast as they can, but they can also stop and, and shoot the mid-range and shoot the three, you know, better than, than anybody has in the NBA at this point. But it's definitely interesting. I, I think that, I don't think that they'll be able to really sustain it as they get deeper in the season and the teams start to get more chemistry going. You know, like the Clippers are playing without Kawhi, so they're trying to figure that out. You know, they, they play the Lakers coming up tomorrow i believe and they're, they're a team that's still kind of figuring stuff out so they they might get a win there but like you said they're they're losing games that they should win that they shouldn't and i think that's because they're going up against some of these they expect to be at the top and they're just not put together yet because there are a lot of older veterans and some guys that are trying to gel and then maybe we see halfway through the season that they're just really not as good as we thought but it'll be interesting i think that they'll play hard and they'll grow a lot and Hopefully going into next year, we'll have a team can compete. Yeah, I was really surprised at the minutes that Mobley's getting. Um, I thought he'd get a little bit less. I mean, I know that they wanted to win there as much, but like last night's game, he had the second most minutes in the game. Sexton had 38 and he had 34. He's still got to work on his field goal percentage. He was three for 10, so only 12 points total. I like what I'm seeing out of him. So moving forward, if he can have that progression, the way he's been doing so far, I I think that we're looking at a good a good year for him. Also, I I know you mentioned you know Kevin Love's averaging double digit mark, and obviously, I'll still always be in that that we should trade him. But it's interesting. I'm wondering if maybe he kind of sees this team and he's like, wow, we could actually probably make some noise. Let me go out here and actually play. I'm wondering if that's behind it or maybe he's just finally healthy and his head's in the right spot. I, I don't know. I mean, that's something curious. Maybe they said, hey, you come out and you play and you perform, then we can kind of send you out to a contender, and then that way we can get back what we want to get back, and then you can go compete for a championship again. I just don't know what this dynamic is because the past, like, two or three years, absent. Yeah, I mean, off the bench, like I said, last night's game, 24 minutes and 10 points. Uh, Rubio's been really good. He's the second most off the bench at 28 minutes. He had 15. So I, I think their bench looks solid for the most part. So keep that going and that access moving forward and we're going to have a good season. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's go ahead and quick topic here. Go ahead and talk about the crew. And obviously they still have a few games left in the season, but they do sit there at 10th. They did win their last game to Orlando. There's uh, three you know, I just think if they win their last two games, I don't know if that really puts them in playoff contention, but I know they've been struggling with injuries. Guys have been in and out on international duty. It was a short turnaround because of the COVID season. So are you disappointed in this season after they won the championship last year, or are you kind of just in a mode of like there was just lots of things? I'm not disappointed at all. If anything, I'm proud of the hell of them for what they did last year, um, especially under the circumstances that they had. And this year, we had a lot of different cups, you know, international stuff going on, World Cup qualifiers. There was a lot of guys in and out, and there maybe is not as much cohesiveness. If I'm going to put any criticism on them, and I don't want to even use that word criticism, um, it's their just inability to create chances has led to 
a slightly disappointing offense. Um, it's really the statistics of the year versus last year. You know, last year they had 36 goals on 251 shots, whereas this year, um, and that was over 23 games, and this year they had only 32 goals on 308 shots. So their shot, shots went up, but their scores went down. So they went from the eighth best in the uh, MLS to the 23rd best in the league. So I just think that there was a lot of things counting against them. And again, not disappointed. I'm proud of what they did last year. And moving forward to next year, we're, we're going to see some, some quality wins from them. And so maybe disappointing losses. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe disappointing is the wrong word. I mean, I am... I'm a little sad that they're not going to get a chance to kind of go out there and repeat. I mean, one of the hardest things in sports is, but I, I do think the big reason there was no miss. Everybody, you know, whether people were out with injury or they were out there and they just never got to really play their original starting 11. And then um, his name is escaping me. The defender they traded for or signed in the off season. He, uh, he got injured, you know, like maybe a couple weeks ago. So a month ago now. So it just, they haven't really been able to play their, their, true starting 11 this whole season I don't think except for maybe like once and that 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 that's probably like the disappointing part is we didn't really because I do believe full strength would be a lot better what they have been this season and and we can see that you know the new ownership they are committed to putting players on the field that are going to compete at a high level so going forward I have no doubt in my mind that they that they'll they'll address that you know depth issue you know they'll kind of address the, the injury of it and hopefully maybe change some things up so that doesn't happen in the future. I think we'll have a you know sustained success here in Columbus and it's a, a fun team to watch here for hopefully forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, def- <laughs> so. Definitely. I think a little bit I have it has to do with team cohesiveness. You know, if you've got guys that don't necessarily play a lot with each other coming in and out throughout the season and it's just hard to anticipate, you know, runs and anticipate ball placements and stuff like that with with guys that you never really played before and practices really can't a lot of that to get you to anticipate and get you to understand what your your yeah I, I definitely agree with everything that, that you've said and and yeah we'll we'll kind of see what happens you know these next two games see how how they finish and if they finish strong then you know we can kind of look forward to that for next season but to move on we are going to move into the NFL and of course we have two NFL teams one in the Browns who, as of right now, it looks like Baker is going to play this weekend. So, you know, my, my question for Greg was if he couldn't go, you know, is there hope for Case Keenum at the helm with this team? But it does look like he's going to be able to go. So I guess I'll ask two questions, Greg. Is a is a banged-up Baker good enough to get it done this season? And if he can't go, is Case Keenum good enough to get it done? It's a no to both questions. I I don't think that Baker has it in him physically, and I'm really surprised that they're actually gonna. I mean, he said that he needs they need surgery, and to have that, you're still gonna play and like just wait to the off season to have that surgery. You're you can't tell me that he's not gonna get hit, not gonna get dropped, and not gonna, you know, possibly be injured even more. Throughout the, we've got you know ten more weeks of ten or eleven more weeks of NFL games. I just don't see it happening. And they've shown offensively that they can't put a lot together. Um, possibly you know mixing it up. The trade deadlines, what five days away, November second. So, mm-hmm. um, you know I've heard some weird OBJ maybe going to the Packers type of thing. But regardless, 
What was that? Be a good fit for him. I mean, especially because they have, you know, he, he wouldn't have to be, he wouldn't have to be the number one guy right away. And then I think with Aaron Rodgers, the willingness for him just to throw the ball down the field and him kind of having this similar wide receiver in, in Adams, I think that that would work pretty well for him. I'm just worried that he might be like, I want to be number one. So, <laughs> um, To the second question is Case Keenum. If he is going to take over, he's got to play a hell of a lot better. Um, he only completed 63, 63% of his passes for 199 yards and one touchdown. You know, 17 points when they were averaging 26 points the game before that. You know, they got to play, what, the Steelers twice, the Bengals twice, the Ravens twice, the Packers. You know, all of them are top 13 in the league for fewest points given up. They got to play the Raiders. They got to play the Lions, which that's not, you know, I, I, I don't see it. I just don't see it being – it's crazy because we went into this year thinking that they are legit Super Bowl contenders and to to have the way that they're playing. I mean, I'm I, right now I'm, I'm going to say that I, the Browns would be lucky if they win eight or nine games. I just don't think that they have the power to beat the Ravens and possibly beat the Bengals, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> well, this this is what I'll say about it. And I don't know if you got a chance to listen to Two Minute Drill that came out um, this or the other day, but Dom still thinks that the Browns are the fourth best team in the end. And, you know, I might have been a little bit harsh in the episode because I kind of called him a homer. But I think when you looked at this team, it was almost like you you remember when the Eagles put together that like dream team that they put together um, all those years back and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest team on paper ever. And it might have been like if you're playing Madden with that team, like that might have been the greatest team constructed, but they didn't it didn't work. They couldn't win. They couldn't play together. And I don't know if it's like I don't know if the Browns are sitting there like, all right, we the shit now. Let's go. Everybody's got us picked to be one of the final four teams. Let's go out there and get it. You know what I mean? And I think compared to last year, they were the hunters. You know what I mean? And now being the hunted. I don't think that they fared very well with it. And when you look at Baker, even when he was healthy, he couldn't outduel the other top quarterbacks that he played against in the league. So now when he can't really, <laughs> his shoulder, I mean, it needs surgery, like you said. And I think the only reason he's trotting himself out there is because he wants a big payday and he wants to prove that he can go out there and play in any condition. And I think that's dumb. I do. I think if I were him, I would shut it down. And I would say, figure it out with Case Keenum. See if the grass is greener on the other side without me. Figure it out. Because even though they didn't win those games against those teams, it really wasn't all his fault because he did put them in positions to win. The defense kind of let him down. You know what I mean? I think it came down to a couple of drives here and there that he just didn't look as good as the other guys. But at the end of the day, it really wasn't all his fault. And I think that he lets them see if the grass is greener on the other side. And if they don't want to resign him or they want to give him some crap deal, there's going to be plenty of other teams that are looking for quarterbacks in the offseason. I mean, you got the Green Bay Packers if they get rid of Aaron Rodgers or he leaves. I mean, the Steelers, Big Ben's done. You know, um, the 49ers, if they're not super sold on Trey Lance by the end of the season, that could be a destination for him. There's plenty of spots that he can go that somebody will pay him to play quarterback in his style of quarterback. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't like that he's trotting himself out there, but it is what it is. As of Case Keenum. I said it in two-minute drill. He's probably the best backup in the league at this point outside of maybe Mitchell Trubisky, but he's a backup. 
So how far he can take them is kind of up to him. Um, maybe he'll have some Fitz magic moments, <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. I mean, the, the team is set up on paper, but they're just not performing the way that they should be. The only things that are performing the way that you would think them to be would be that run game and Jarvis Landry, but the defense is performing underwhelming, <laughs> I would say. I mean, I still consider Stefanski a top-tier coach. I think he's one of the better coaches, at least his ability to be a player's coach and just to, to his play calls. And I, I'm not saying that. I think that the, the injuries are just piling up constantly with these guys just at the wrong times. This is what's going to happen because of it. Do I think that they're a Super Bowl contending team? I, I still do. I definitely do. And what's even crazier is that maybe this year you, you, you have a down year and then you get some good, decent draft picks next year. And then you come out even like looking even better on paper. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting going forward. Talking about our other NFL team in our state, I want to know if Greg is finally ready to admit that the Bengals are a good team. Greg? Uh, the answer is no. Oh, man, come on. <laughs> they basically stumbled into a 5-2 and two record by accident. By accident? By accident. By, oh, man, no. They are, they are not necessarily playoff contenders, though... I honestly think Jamar Chase is probably going to be rookie of the year. I just rookie don't might be offensive player of the year. Yeah, like the only thing he's doing, he might be MVP talks. I mean, this is like the kid is is phenomenal, and that's the only thing I enjoy watching Bengals games is watching him. Just, man, that like the, I know the defense isn't like all world, but they they get it done. You know what I mean, like. Outside of their kicker missing field goals in that Packers game, I mean that's that they could have won the game against the Packers, and then now that we're looking at a six and one team, like you know, what I, mean? I, I, I get what you're saying. I understand that, like, but I, I just like what what else what else do they have to do? You know what I mean? Because when when you look at it, I, I don't know if you have their their schedule up or not, but I just think that they're they're they've had garbage wins, and even wins against the Ravens, I just don't. I, I didn't see it like you've obviously shown that the Ravens have shown that they're just a subpar team that c comes in and out of being good, which that's not going to win you championships when you are playing horrible against the Colts for the first half of a game and then come back and, oh, now we learned how to play. Um, and then I just I think it's garbage wins for the Bengals. And, and I think that the true colors are going to show throughout the rest of the year. The thing is, is that some uh, Cincinnati's they've got a new challenge learning how to be the team being hunted instead of the t team that is chasing down wind. And that's a new thing for them. And I don't know if they can really be, you know, up to the, that challenge of stepping into that role. And they had a lot of improvements over the year, but they're merely cosmetic. And until the on-field uh, improvement stuff goes full into effect, I'm not buying in. Well, if a lot of you listen to our two-minute draw episode, I'll make Greg upset with this one. But um, I had them as the, the third-best team in the AFC right now, only because, like I said, I think that the defense is playing better than what everybody expected it to play. And I think that that offense is able to move the ball just as good as the, probably that second-tier you know, team in the NFL at this point. I think, obviously, like you, you look at the Bills, you look at the Cowboys, you look at the Buccaneers, the Cardinals, um, the Rams. Those in, those teams just move the ball better than anybody else, and they score the ball better than anyone now. But in that second tier of, of team right now, I think the Bengals are right there, right in the mix. You know what I mean? And 
I don't know. Obviously, things could change. They could start dropping games here soon. I mean, that, that is what it is. But I don't know. I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on them. I think the one thing that they're really going to have to fix, and it's starting to slowly improve throughout the weeks, is whether or not they can keep Joe Burrow upright and, and kind of healthy. And we'll have to see going forward. But he's a dude. I'm as as a Steelers fan coming from me being excited, you know, about a team like this because you look at that division and I don't think they've really been this explosive on offense in a while since probably since like Ocho Cinco was there, you know what I mean? And 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 putting themselves in a position to to be where they're at right now, especially beating the Ravens. And I I know you think that the Ravens aren't as good as they are, but the Ravens are a pretty good team, even with all their injuries and stuff like that. I, I think that for the Ravens to be five and two with like having their whole um, running back line out and then having like half of their secondary out for the whole season, I think that that's a testament to, you know, Harbaugh and then the rest of that team at that point too. So it's definitely interesting going forward. I agree with you. They're going to have to figure out how to be the hunted and, but a lot of people still think that they're not as good as they are. So Maybe they're still hunting. I don't know. What what uh, Joe Burrow does need to hunt for is a razor and shave off that little little boy mustache he had going on <laughs> on Sunday. I just I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't even look at him straight. Okay, well I'll hold off on the uh, is Greg ready to admit the Bengals are good talk? Maybe we'll we'll wait like a couple more weeks. You know, watch them get a couple more wins. Obviously, the Jets they should get a win against that. You know them. So we'll wait a couple weeks. You know, watch him get a couple more wins. We'll see how he feels about it. About it then. I'm the first to eat crow, you know, and, and admit I'm wrong, but it's a discussion for definitely later on. In- okay. Okay. Well, moving on to our last topic now is going to be Ohio State and their big top 25 matchup against Penn State. Obviously, over the next couple of weeks, they got a lot of ranked teams that they're, you know, they're facing, and it'll kind of depend on. Um, where Michigan and Michigan State kind of rank after their game, who wins that one this week? But you know, how do you how do you feel about this game this week, Greg? And how do you how how are you breaking it? Down? It's really going to be if Ohio State's offense can continue on the trajectory that they have been improving throughout this year. If they if they continue on the path, I think this is going to be an easy win over over Penn State. I mean, obviously, points per game. Buckeyes are averaging, I think, like 49 points per game, 49.3, mm-hmm. whereas Penn State's only averaging 26.5 points per game. Um, Buckeyes have them on yardage, yards allowed, a lot of different things, uh, passing yards, rushing yards. So I think it's going to be a good game. It's just a matter of, again, what um, what Ohio State we're going to see. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I think when you looked at that, you know, the game last week between them and Illinois, you know, the historic nine overtime game. <laughs> um, That's just crazy. Yeah, crazy talk. But they Illinois was able, I think they had a one running back went for like 220-some yards, and the other one went for like almost 150. So I think they had like 300, almost like 350 combined rushing yards or something like that between the two of them. So I think Ohio State just continues with the, you know, offensive game plan that they've been going hand it off to Travion Henderson and the rest of those guys in the backfield get the run game going you know get Stroud comfortable within the game get him a couple of throws on the first couple of drives that are easy and then the rest of the offense is going to open up because they're going to have to commit to slowing down the run and then you have probably one of the best wide receiving cores in college football at this point if not the best um 
catching passes. So they're going to get open down the field. The big plays are going to be open. And I agree with you. I think that this, this has the potential to be a blowout, but I will remind people, Penn State has almost been a thorn in our side more than what Michigan has over the past 10 years. And they're not going to come into the league quietly. They're, they're going to want to beat us. They're going to play a hundred times better than what they played against Illinois because they want to come in here, you know, on our, our scarlet night and just they're, they're going to want to make us all sad. So I don't know. I think a lot of people are, are calling for a blowout on this one. You know, obviously I think Penn state's probably one of the worst ranked teams at this point, you know, especially with their loss against Illinois last week, but they're still a good team. They're still a good big 10 team. And anytime that we play a big 10 team, that's we, there is a potential for us because that's, that's what it is. I think the big 10 is one of the better conferences in college football. And I don't know. It'd be interesting. I, like I said, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. <laughs> like I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I mean, they definitely shouldn't underestimate Penn state. Penn state was, you know, ranked fourth in the nation just two weeks ago. So you know, they've had some disappointing losses, obviously, per se, but it's just a matter of how healthy do we think that Sean Clifford is going to be, um, you know, if he's really been able to rest, um, you know, and coach James Franklin, you know, it's weird with that because is he going to stay? Is he going to go? He was on that short list for the USC and LSU jobs, and then these two losses kind of, you know, put that up into the air, so... We'll really see. I think this will be one of the better games, at least to watch, better than what was in the season so far. Yeah, a little bit off topic because you you kind of you know mentioned the, the USC job and you know obviously though I don't know if you saw the whole situation with like Mike Tomlin and stuff this past week where the reporters were like asking him he's going to take it and he was like is that even a real question? Um, but I guess with James Franklin being at Penn State and building what he's built there. Is the USC job really that sexy to pull somebody away like that? Because, I mean, Penn State's not a bad program. It's not a bad school. They they get pretty good recruits every year. And I, I feel like they're a well-known program throughout the country. And really, honestly, over, what, the past 10 years, like USC has really not been a good program. They can't, they can't sustain any kind of success. So is it really like a, a sexy destination anymore for, for coaches? I don't know. I mean, I think that the glitz and glamour of California can be attractive to a lot. And obviously Penn State, you know, has had some good runs, but have they, you know, made it, how far have they made it over the last 10, 15 years? You know, not very far, so. Yeah, no, it's just interesting. I mean, because, I mean, everybody keeps, I feel like every three or four years we talk about, oh, the USC job is open, the Texas job is open, like, but they're just not like good destinations anymore. I, I don't know. I mean, and people see that they, they see that where the success is at and, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. I mean, even Clemson's having a down year this year, but I still feel like they're going to get a top recruiting class next year because it's Clemson. I mean, that's what it is. So I don't know. Definitely interesting. As always, we do have a sports report to go through. And again, I definitely did something different with it, you know, the last time and this time. So kind of let me know if you guys like it, if you want me to go back to doing it the old way or you like that. I'm spreading the love around between all the different programs within Ohio. So bear with me as I go through our sports report. So to start with the crew, obviously, you know, they're 11, 8, and 13 on the season. That's 11 wins, 8 draws, and 13 losses. They're still 10th. Obviously, like I said, they won their last game. 
but they do play DC United on the 30th. So hopefully they can get another win on that one, maybe move up the table a little bit and kind of, you know, finish the season out on a positive note. Then we have the Blue Jackets. We had talked about them before. They're four and two on the season as of right now. And they play the Rangers on the 29th, which would be the, you know, the day this episode comes out, which hopefully you're listening. And then they do play the Devils on the 31st. So you can kind of look to them to hopefully continue this positive start to the season. Then you look at the Blue Jackets um, minor league team there up in Cleveland, the Monsters. They did have a, a decent start at 3-2 and two on the season. Their next game is against the Syracuse Crunch on the 29th. And then the Hershey Bears, they play on the 30th and the 31st. So kind of like the Blue Jackets, they kind of look to continue starting strong. When you look at the Browns, they are sitting at 4-3 and three right now, third in the AFC North. They do have a game against Pittsburgh next, so that'll be pretty big for them. And pretty big for Baker if he starts to can uh, play through that shoulder injury. When you look at the Bengals, Greg's favorite team in the NFL right now, they are sitting at five and two, first in the AFC North. Um, they play the Jets next, so I mean, you you would expect them to win that game, but of course, I've been hyping up this whole time, and they're going to drop that one, and you know that that's how it goes. But you know, they'll look to continue to prove people wrong, like Greg. <laughs> Then you have the Cavs. They're sitting at three and two, eighth in the East. Hey, if the playoffs started today, they'd be in the playing tournament. So they have had a, I would say, weird start. Like Greg said, they have uh, lost games they shouldn't have lost and won games they shouldn't have won. So we'll kind of see if they can continue that trend against the Lakers and the Suns, which are games they probably shouldn't win. But hey, maybe they'll get it done. Obviously, when you look at Ohio State football, they are six and one, ranked fifth in the nation still. I think that's maybe a little bit, uh, disrespectful but hey we'll go with it they do play uh, Penn State as we talked about so hopefully we get a good win there and the ranking committee there looks us, looks at us a little bit differently when you look at Ohio State men's basketball they open the season on the 9th against Akron women's basketball opens the season on November 10th against Bucknell Ohio State men's soccer um, they uh, on the season they were 6-8-1 and one on season and their next game is against Rutgers on the 31st and the women's soccer were 9-7-2 and their next game is Purdue on the 31st. Cincinnati University football, they're 7-0. Keep chugging along. They're second ranked. They play Tulane next, so hopefully they can continue impressing the ranking committee. Their men's basketball program opens play on November 9th against Evansville. The women's basketball opens play on November 10th against Alabama A&M. Then women's soccer is 6-7-3 on the season, and they are actually playing UFC right now. The game might be over, but if you're watching that, What's up? Then you move on to Ohio University. Their football team, well, not having a good season. One and seven. Um, then they play next against the Miami of Ohio. So on the second, which I think is like a Tuesday. So, you know, one and seven team gets to play on a Tuesday. That's fun. Their men's basketball program opens up their season against Belmont on the ninth. Women's basketball opens their season against Notre Dame on the ninth. And then their women's soccer team was 11-4 and two on the season. I think they're going to start um, playoff play as well. When you look at the University of Bowling Green, their football program, two and six on the season, not doing great either. They're at Buffalo on the 30th. Their men's basketball program opens the season with Western Carolina on the 9th. Women's basketball opens their season against Tennessee State on the 11th. And their men's soccer program went 10-3-2 and two on the season. And their next match is against Western Michigan on the 30th. And their women's program went eight for Kent State. Their football program was, is four and four on the season. They play Northern Illinois on the third. So, you know, another lackluster football season for our Ohio college football programs. 
But their men's basketball does open up on the 12th against Xavier. Women's opens up on the 10th against Northern Kentucky. And their women's soccer program was 11-4 and and 2 on the season. And I do believe they start playoff play here soon. For Toledo, their football program is 4-4. and They play Eastern Michigan on the 2nd. Men's basketball opens play on the 9th against Val Pariso, which I believe is in Indiana. And then their women's program opens play against Oakland, but Oakland University in Michigan on the 9th. And then their women's soccer program was 10-4-3. For Miami of Ohio, their football program is 4-4, four and four, and they play OU on the 2nd of November. So who knows? Maybe they'll hand uh, OU their eighth loss of the season. <laughs> their men's basketball program opens play against Georgia Tech on the 9th. Women's basketball opens play against Valparaiso on the 10th as well, and their women's soccer program was 8-3. and three. For Akron University, football is 2-6. and six. Again, another lackluster season, and they play Ball State on the 2nd, which again, another Tuesday game. Kind of weird. Men's basketball opens their season against Ohio State on the 9th. If you want to look for that, that'll be a fun game. Women's basketball opens their season on the 9th against Slippery Rock, and then their men's basketball... And then their men's soccer team was 9-3-3 on the season. They played Northern Orleans on the 30th. And then their women's soccer program didn't have a great season this year. They were 3-14. To finish it off with Dayton, their football program is 3-4 this season. They do play against Butler on the 30th. Their men's basketball program, where Obi Toppin came from, opens their season of play on the 9th against Cedarville. And then their women's basketball program opens their season against Alabama A&M on November 9th. And if you heard that before, Alabama A&M plays, you know, Dayton on the 9th, and then I believe they go and play Cincinnati University on the 10th. So they're just doing their Ohio tour. <laughs> then the men's soccer program there at Dayton was 5-8-3 on the season so far, and the next game is De Quincey on the 30th. And then the women's soccer program had a really good season as well. They were 11-5-2, and they actually play against number 7 Richmond in the A-10 quarterfinals. That was our Ohio sports report for the past two weeks and for the next. Now going. And I, just, Sorry, go ahead. and I just wanted to remind everybody to be on the lookout for an interview with Millican University's head women's football coach, Ian Doherty, will be coming up in the next month or so. So keep a lookout for that. Wow. Awesome. Great drop in mics. Okay, let's go. And then to move into our final segment, the double take segment, which is one of my favorite segments in our podcast. As always, we will start off with one thing that will happen in the sporting world over the next two weeks. Greg? I think in the next two weeks, the Houston Astros will win. sad about it. And unfortunately, I don't think that that's going to be one of my picks that is wrong. But I just think that watching these last two games, I just don't see mm-hmm. them stopping. Not a big fan of the Astros, but you know, we're going to discuss that a little bit more with our on-deck uh, episode that comes out Monday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wonder how this one will be because the last one kind of people view it as illegitimate, I think. So that'll be interesting. For my thing, I think this is more of a like a hope than maybe a prediction. (laughs) But I hope by the next time that we meet, the Bengals have two more wins and they continue to look dominant on offense and their defense continues to grow and get better. And just because. I want Greg to admit that uh that the Bengals are actually good. That's really the only reason why. It's not even really a prediction. It's just kind of a hope. <laughs> but to move on to our last part of our double take segment, it's going to be one crazy thing that we saw, heard about, or happened to us over the past 
two weeks that we've been gone. And I'm going to go first this time only because if I'm being truthful, mine have kind of sucked compared to Greg the past, like, all episodes. Except for maybe my driving rant, which I still think was a good one because I think everybody learned valuable lessons. Okay, you're already losing people, so move forward. So for me this week, I am going to talk about how the Cleveland Guardians are suing the Cleveland Guardians. If you haven't heard this story, <laughs> and also, before I even continue, I want to give credit to one of our listeners, Orlando. Thank you, Orlando, for bringing this to my attention. He texted me the other day, and he goes, hey, did you hear about this story? No, I haven't. So I looked it up, started reading about it. I was like, this is crazy. If you don't know, there is a Cleveland Guardians roller derby team out of Parma, Ohio, and they have been a team since 2013. So obviously, they've trademarked the name. They've done all this stuff. And I won't read through the whole article, but I'm just going to read through a couple things that um, that I found in the article that I thought was just just craziness. So, and one of the part of the article, it says, as of Wednesday night, the ClevelandGuardians.com website still displays the Roller Derby's team's content, as does their Facebook.com slash Cleveland Guardians. The baseball team is still using Indians.com as their website in the Twitter handle at Indians, which is just crazy. And then when you read this next part, it says in the lawsuit, the roller, derby, the roller derby team said it was inconceivable that an organization worth more than $1 billion and estimated to have around an annual revenue of $290 million plus would not have at least performed a Google search for Cleveland Guardians before settling on the name. And then I'll just read one more thing and I'll kind of open up the grid because I think it's itching to talk about it. But in another part of the article, it says in June, the MLB team offered to pay a nominal, it says a nominal amount. The lawsuit said Mr. Sweat rejected the offer and countered with another proposal, which the baseball team did not address, according to the lawsuit. In July, the team announced its name change with a theatrical video posted online that was narrated by none other than Tom Hanks. This is the most Cleveland thing I have, I think I've ever read. I don't even know how you do this. I don't know how you think that you can get away with it. It's crazy that, you know, at the end of the season, they're going to call, they're calling themselves the Guardians. But when you look them up, it's a roller derby team and not the baseball team. <laughs> you think about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it blows my mind and just, it just shows that they, they knew this was an issue and they mm -hmm. tried to say, Hey, you're just a roller derby team. We're just going to give you a little bit of the cash just to, yeah. you know, and now this roller derby team is probably going to change their name to something else and the the indians will turn into the cleveland guardians but not after the cleveland guardians roller derby team gets a hefty 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 payout oh, yeah. to and change the name and 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 it's going to go to court and it's going to you know it, they've trademarked the name already you're in you, exactly what you said that it is inconceivable to think that you didn't look this up and if you did look it up and go Okay, before we even go slightly move forward with this, we need to address this to see if we could even well, get them to change their mind. And then mm -hmm. if we can't, then we maybe start looking at other names. Yeah. Well, and it, were, apparently they knew because they offered them money for it. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I don't know. I also love part of the article. <laughs> the, the beginning of the article says, is Cleveland big enough for two sports teams named the Guardian? 
A roller derby team that has used the name since 2013 says no. <laughs> I mean, either this or the Dolans are going to now own a roller derby team. Like, I, I, it's just, you know, and are these roller derby matches going to be inside the stadium? Because that would be cool. Yeah, that would be fun. I mean, hey, let's get out of the baseball business. It makes zero sense. Let's just have roller derby in that giant screw it. Screw baseball. Just, hey, if you've I, never watched roller derby before, it's some pretty high contact, uh, high impact yeah. sports. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I I'm not taking anything away from them. I think part of the article said that like all of their money that they get, um, goes into like training, treating the roller you know derby players and getting them equipment and stuff like that. So they're essentially a nonprofit. So like whoever runs the Indians or you know PR or management, whatever it may be, somebody messed this up because they went there and they were like, here. Do you want a dollar? <laughs> they were like, that's not enough. We're not Kevin Love. Get out of here. But yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just, that's crazy. I, I think honestly, though, like look out, you know, for this topic going forward, we might even address this, you know, sooner rather than later. Because I mean, obviously, this is going to be an ever evolving situation. But like I said, this is probably one of the most Cleveland things I've heard in a long times. So. <laughs> yeah, completely. But I will let Greg go unless I stole his. <laughs> no, you did not, though. That it was in the, uh, it was in my my brain scope before, and it was going to be discussed, on, and still probably will be discussed on the on deck episode. But uh, yeah, I definitely was aware of that. I actually told my brother in law that this evening, and he was like, just he said the exact same thing you did, which was crazy. He goes, "That's so Cleveland." <laughs> yeah. No, so my thing. Have you ever heard of a moving violation? Like in a car? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about a moving violation? Police in Arizona ended up on a late night chase of an escaped cow that went running through a residential neighborhood. The Glendale Police Department uh, said officers gave chase at about 3.30 a.m. after the cow was seen running through streets and in yards in the area of 67th Avenue and Cactus Road. Body cam footage shows the chase uh, shows police repeatedly attempting to corner the bovine which managed to evade its pursuers. A member of the public was also was able to lasso the cow. Police said the animal was returned to its owner. The officers had no beef with this cow. They said they just wanted to see it home safe. Police said in the Facebook post, great example of a community and police working together to move things in the right direction. All right. Oh, Greg with the dad joke. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I, I love when I love the stories of when police have to try to chase animals because it's definitely not in like their purview. Like there's nothing that trains them to do that, and like it just always turns out funny. I don't know. Yeah, could be injuries. There's just a lot of stuff going on, but yeah, there was a lot of not a lot of weird stuff, and I always try to to get the little avant garde and and possibly the animals in the mix because animals don't get enough credit. I know, right? You know, shout out to them getting that cow back home, though, because not to be grim, but when I was a kid, there was a kid I went to school with. I won't say his last name, but his first name's Kevin, and he had this prize-winning cow from the fair, and it got loose, and it got onto, um, you know, the the freeway or the highway there, and a semi just hit that thing, exploded, and like shut down the freaking highway for like eight hours. Like it was crazy. So I'm I'm glad they got the cow back home because that would have been really sad if the cow got hurt um you know and I'm, I'm glad nobody got hurt in the process but that whoever wrote that article i don't know if you put those words in there but no this was this was taken from uh huffington post i but i do believe oh, good that you know what that's why they write articles 
<laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us on this episode. I think our um our last segment there was a little bit longer than the rest of the episode, but hey, we're having fun and we will always have fun on this episode because that's what we were. But again, thank you guys so much. Continue to give us feedback. Thank you for all the support. You know, as we kind of approach the end of our first year here as a podcast, it has been so much fun, a blessing, and just look forward to continue chugging along and giving you guys, you know, fun content. Again, thank you. This was our 10th episode of Ohioverse presented by Deep Dive Sports. And as always, until next time. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more, feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sport on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any update. And please let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.